to you from uh, from Jimmy's house here to talk a little bit about teammates and Husker football. Uh, we prepared everybody for today, letting you know that we are going to be talking to um, a man who really needs no introduction, Tom Osborne, sure. um, who, who's loved by Husker fans. And um, so we're going to talk a little bit about teammates, uh, which is the nonprofit uh, men- mentoring program that Tom helped co-found. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about Husker football at the end. So we got him about for about 30 minutes here. So appreciate everybody joining in and uh, we'll kick things off with just saying, Tom, thank you for joining us thank today. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. I'm glad to, glad to be on with you. So we'll uh, we'll kick things off with talking about teammates. So uh, I'll I'll kick things off here. So teammates, Tom, teammates, teammates was started in 1991. Was there something that you saw as a coach um, that made you think this would be a really good thing right now, or something that was just going on at the in the current time that made you think teammates would be a great thing to get started? Well, it was just. One of those things that kind of evolved over time. But I, uh, I came to Nebraska in January of 1962, which was exactly the same time Double. I came to Nebraska from, from Wyoming and uh, started out as a graduate, graduate assistant coach and, uh, and uh, also going to graduate school. And uh, back in 1962, most of the players were recruited were growing up in the, under the same roof with both biological parents. And it was a very different world. And um, time went on and began to see a lot of changes. Uh, a lot more kids growing up with only one parent quite often without a dad. And, uh, and then in the late 60s, early 70s, the drug culture began to evolve. And we started drug testing our players <clears throat> and, uh, and of course, some of the changes in media, some of the things you see on internet and uh, in movies, music lyrics today would not have been allowed on the, in the public domain maybe uh, 20, 30 years ago. And uh, so I, I began to reflect on that, and my wife Nancy had seen a, a segment of 60 Minutes in which a uh, an elderly gentleman named Eugene Lang had been interviewed and uh, he had gone to speak at the eighth grade graduation of his former middle school. And uh, when he got there, he was kind of shocked by the way the school had changed because it now was in the inner city. And when he had gone there, it had been in the rather wealthy suburbs. And he asked the uh, superintendent, uh, uh, how many of these kids he, he thought would go on to college? And he said, well, really, we'll probably be pretty fortunate one of them goes on to college. And that shocked him because when he'd gone to school there, almost everybody was planning on going to college. And uh, so kind of on a whim when he got up to speak to the young people, he said, you know, if you guys are staying out of trouble graduating high school, I'll pay you away to college. So Nancy was kind of impressed by that. She said, do you think we could do something like that? And I said, well, you know, the coaching didn't pay that much then. <laughs> I said, I don't think we're quite ready to put an elementary school through uh, college. But I said, I'll see what I can do. So I got in front of our players the next day in a team meeting. I said, how many of you guys be willing to serve as a mentor to some of our great boys in Lincoln Public Schools? And... Uh, 
22 hands went up. Nice. I went to public school there. It was 22 young guys that said, yeah, they loved to have football players and mentor them. And uh, as time went on, uh, things seemed to go pretty well. We just told the players to meet with them once a week. And uh, once a month we'd get them again, we'd have a speaker, play some basketball, have some pizza. And, uh, and then a couple of years later, I got a little nervous because at that time we'd drop out of school at age 16. And these kids were getting pretty close to 16. And so I, I, got, a, I got a meeting with them. And I said, you guys are out of trouble. Graduated from high school or paid away to college. And, uh, and so we were surprised because by the time they got to be seniors, of the 22, 21 graduated on time. The one guy who didn't graduate on time was riding dirt bikes around the country. He was on, on a motocross tour making money. He did graduate eventually. Good. And the, the thing that really surprised us was that um, of the 22 to 18 on the college, and we thought maybe from that particular group that five or six might go on. And so we thought, well, maybe there's something to this. And so we expanded the program here, like in the first of all, using adults rather than college football players who didn't have no players. And uh, then we spread it across the state. And now we're in five states. And uh, last year we mentored uh, 11,000 kids. Wow. So it's changed a lot. It's, it's school-based. And uh, meet once a week. Most of it's a little lunch period. Lunch periods are usually 35, 40 minutes in length. And uh, so it's fairly easy. We uh, have building coordinators in every building. And the coordinator helps make the match based on common interests. And, and they find a place to meet. It might be the library. It might be the lunchroom, wherever. And... Uh, and so we, we've been pleased with the results because we find that in about 80 to 85 percent of our matches, that behavior improves. Your trips to the principal's office, the substance abuse, such teenage pregnancy, all those kind of things. We also find that attendance improves in about 85 percent of matches. Grades get better. And last year, our graduation rate for roughly 750 kids that graduated from high school was 96 percent. Awesome. I think that's usually high because a lot of our kids are not from the, the most affluent homes, yep. and they, a lot of them don't have both parents. And uh, so um, we know it works, and um, we certainly are appreciative of the partnership with the schools because they help us with uh, some of the logistics of the thing. And so that's what we do. Absolutely. That, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, and you know, there's a lot of nonprofits around. Um, you know, we're both here in Omaha, and there's a lot of nonprofits here in Omaha as well that, that do a lot of great things with the kids. And, and that mentoring uh, is definitely a huge aspect of, of these kids' lives. So that's fantastic. Um, so you talked a little bit about your players and how they were excited and everybody's hand went up. Um, is mentoring within the Husker football program, is that something that's still going on with teammates? Do you see a lot of players still come through? Is it kind of hit and miss over the last, you know, 20 some odd years since you've been out of coaching? Well, I don't, I don't want to give the impression that everybody's hands went up. <laughs> yeah. 150 players and 22 hands went up. But there were some pretty prominent players like Will Shields was one of our early mentors. And we've had a, a number of guys that, 
Jason Jason Light, who is now the general manager of the yep. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, happened to be one of those initial mentors for us. And okay. uh, you know, a lot of those guys have stayed in touch with their mentees uh, through all these years. And uh, and so you know, we do have some from the athletic department. Uh, and uh, and of course, we, we rely on anybody who's uh, mentor has to be over 19 years of age. Mm. And uh, and most of our, I think our average mentor is probably in their 40s. Okay. And usually uh, somewhat professional people. And uh, But we have mentors that are in their 80s, like me. And we have some that are 19 years old. So okay. they're, they're across the full spectrum. Okay. Well, happy, happy belated birthday, yes. by the way. I saw that was a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago. Well, I've got a lot of them. I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, happy, happy belated birthday. They're more important when I was four years old than they are when. <laughs> I'm sure. So when you were when you were coaching, obviously, um, did you kind of feel that responsibility to be a mentor to some of these guys, some of these players that were coming in that, like you said, were maybe coming from broken families or didn't have two, you know, weren't living under the roof of two biological parents? Uh, you know, there, there are formal mentors, formal mentoring programs like teammates. And then there's informal mentoring. And uh, I think, uh, I know Tony Dungy said it, and I think John, John Wooden said it too, that, that part of coaching is, is mentoring, essentially. And you're trying to convey X's and O's and techniques and fundamentals. But uh, essentially, you're, you're, you're hoping that you can help people mature and become better people. And... Uh, and I think the, uh, the fundamental issue is that players understand you care about them, not just for what they can do for you on the athletic field, but you generally care about their health, you care about their education, you care about their personal life, and, uh, and you want the best for them, then they will usually respond. And uh, they will sometimes do unbelievably difficult things that you ask them to do if they feel your motivation is right and that you're really trying to serve them and, and care for them. And, and hopefully that came to most of our players. Oh, good. Okay. Um, so obviously right now with teammates and the whole mentoring aspect, a lot of mentoring is great to be in person and do everything in person. COVID's probably put a big damper on a lot of those mentoring activities that you would normally do. Um, how have you, how has teammates gotten around some of that as far as keeping those relationships solid and continuing to move the needle in the right direction? Obviously, with kids also, so much virtual learning, um, there's got to be some sort of learning curve that they're going to have to battle moving forward. Um, what is teammates currently doing to help with that? Well, this, this last year, as you know, has been really difficult for a lot of kids. And uh, a lot of kids feel very much isolated and uh, emotionally is it's really uh, been very difficult for them. And uh, a lot of the normal support systems are just not there. And uh, so we've, de we've developed a portal and uh, we set it up so we can do virtual mentoring. Obviously, we much prefer face-to-face, one-to-one mentoring, but uh, with a lot of kids not even physically in school, uh, we've had to do that. and. Uh, so right now, about half of our matches 
are meeting in person, and about half of them are, are virtual. And okay. uh, we're hoping that as the spring progresses, that that'll become more a twenty or something like that, more in person than dream. But it's been very difficult for people in the schools to try to manage this whole thing. And and I think statistically, an awful lot of kids have lost the better part of a year of education. Mm -hmm, for sure. uh, some kids uh, that are being taught virtually have kind of tuned out, and there's not any real good way to monitor and to make sure people are paying attention. And uh, and uh, and so it's been a hard time for administrators, for mm -hmm. teachers, for students, and, uh, and, and so we're just doing the best we can to struggle through it. Good. Yeah, and well, I, I, well, I, I work for I work for a local <laughs> nonprofit and after school programming, so it's we've been feeling the same thing here. And my wife's a teacher, so I know how, we know how it is. Um, yeah. Well, good. Yeah. So, what um, what would your message be for people who are thinking about mentoring? Well, I think the uh, <clears throat> the average mentor assumes that this is all a one way street. They're doing all the giving, and uh, the student is the recipient. And uh, but I, I hear over and over again when I talk to mentors that say, you know, I think I get as much or more out of this than the mentee does. And that was always puzzling to me. And so finally, I uh, picked out twenty, I think, it was fifty people who had been long-term mentors for teammates. And I sent them an email. And I said, you know. I hear this all the time that mentors receive a lot from the, the process. So what do you mean by this? And so I got about 50 responses back. It's kind of interesting because they, they gave a variety of, of answers. Some of them said, well, this has made me a better parent because uh, I began to see the power of giving somebody your undivided attention and uh, trying to uh, tell them what to do, and simply listening, and and being an advocate for them, and being there and caring about them. And they say, I, I began to do that with my own children, <clears throat> because I saw how important that was to my mentee. Some of them said, well, you know, I, I kind of uh, have forgotten what it was like to be a young person, and this gives me a window into the life of young people and the things they're going through. And of course, things have changed a lot since those mentors, for the most part, were young people. And uh, so they, they think it's a learning experience. And that's, that's been good. But I think overall, when you boil all those answers down, what they really meant was uh, it gives your life a sense of meaning and purpose. And so uh, I remember there was a study done few years ago, where they asked uh, several thousand Americans if they were happy. And most Americans said, well, yeah, I, I feel fairly happy. I, I have adequate clothing, enough discretionary wealth. I can go to a movie, I have transportation, and, and uh, life's pretty good. But essentially, uh, happiness was defined basically in terms of receiving, of getting. And then they asked the same question of those same people. Uh, does your life have meaning or purpose? 
and the answer came back uh, in a lot of cases, not so much. My life doesn't have significance or purpose or meaning. And, and what they found was that meaning and purpose essentially comes from giving and serving and caring about another person, particularly another person who on the surface of it can't do anything for you in return. Mm-hmm. Pretty nice to serve your boss and then give you a raise. Yeah. Uh, your spouse, because they can you know, get along better. Yep. But when you pick somebody out like a, a young kid that uh, you don't even know, and you're there for them, and they come to understand that you love them and care for them. Um, it's very rewarding when you see them begin to get back on track, when you see them graduate from the uh, eighth grade and graduate from high school and go on to college. And quite often those relationships uh, go on for years and years and years. And so uh, I think that's really the benefit that mentors get out of mentoring. That's great, and and, and you know, like I said, we, we have utmost respect for for teammates and, and what you guys are doing for these kids and in the schools, and and hopefully, hopefully things start to calm down a little bit. Where like you said, you get more of that eighty twenty and get close to that hundred percent of the in person, so you have even a greater impact. And um, so, for those of you listening right now, if you're interested in, in learning more about teammates, the website is teammates.org. We will throw up some information on our on our page here after the Absolutely. show. Uh, if you're interested in learning more and maybe even getting involved with teammates, um, they are a great program and do a lot, a lot of great things for our communities um, and helping these kids. So, um, so Tom, we'd like, we'd like to thank you just talking about teammates. Um, anything else you want to add before we switch over to a couple football questions while we got you for a few more minutes? No. Okay. That's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Jimmy's going to shoot us off with the first football question here. Okay, so obviously we could spend 5, 10, 20 minutes going through your list of accomplishments, but um, we'll kind of keep it brief. Um, obviously you're a Hall of Fame coach, national championships, the whole works. But um, looking back, um, is there you know any, any thought in your mind of maybe – after that last year, maybe sticking around a little bit longer or how that would have played out if you would have stayed a little bit longer? Well, the, the, the issue was that I had told Frank so much uh, about six years before that I would go five more years. And uh, so the five years came, and, uh, <clears throat> and it was 1996, and... Uh, and so we had uh, two players, Grant Wistrom and uh, Jason Peter, mm-hmm. who were juniors. And they were pretty, it was pretty much consensus. They would be first-round picks. So they came in to see me, and uh, I thought I was going to hear the words, well, I've got to do what's best for me and my family. And instead they said, you know, Coach, uh, we lost two games this, this year. And I said, you know, I was aware of that. And uh, he said, well, we didn't think that was good enough. I said, well, I, I was a little disappointed myself. And they said, well, we're, we're going to come back, and we're going to finish it up right. And uh, so I said, well, that's, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and uh, so then I went to Frank. I said, you know, 
uh, this is the end of five years, but I don't feel right about uh, these guys coming back and then me taking off. And uh, so I said, I'd like to go one more year. He said, okay. And uh, so that next year in 1997, we, we did win them all. Yep. Uh, got a little tight down at Missouri where we uh, <laughs> kicked the ball up in there and had Matt Davison catch it. And yep. The good thing was it set, set Matt up for the rest of his life, you know, because <laughs> he became a hero. And uh, But uh, we did win them all. And, uh, and so uh, at that point I stepped aside simply because I'd made a promise. And uh, mm-hmm. I felt I had to keep that promise. And I talked it over with Bill Byrne, and I talked it over with uh, the uh, chancellor at that time. And uh, they, they okayed it and uh, said, we've got a good staff, we've got good players, and I think things continue on. <clears throat> and it's not going to be a wholesale change when you have somebody coming in who doesn't understand the culture. And, uh, and they said, okay. So that's when Frank took over, and uh, and sometimes I'm I'm irritated because people uh, say, well, we haven't had a good team in 20, 22 years or something like that. And Frank Solich won a lot of games. Mm-hmm. He uh, won a big 12 championship. He came within one fumble at the three-yard line against Texas yep. of having a perfect season. He played for a national championship won 75% of his games. And most of the people in the College Football Hall of Fame have not come anywhere close to winning 75%. So uh, he did a good job. And uh, and for whatever reason, uh, after a 9-3 season, they had fired Frank. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and some of the coaches that came since uh, were not bad people. They were, they were good. But Bill Pelini won over 70% of his games. Yeah. But uh, some of them didn't understand the culture, didn't understand certain things. And, and so we had trouble a little bit since. Now Scott, Scott understands the culture. And uh, uh, one coach tried to disband the walk-on program. And that was really, see what, what happened one time in the old Big 8 conference. Uh, we had 45 initial scholarships every year. And there was no upper limit. So if you kept your players around, you had 160 players on scholarship. And then the first year that I became head coach, NCAA came and said, we're going to have a national standard. And so the initial scholarships you can give out would be 35. And then the upper limit would be like 120, something like that. And then they whittled it down to 25 initials and 85 total. And so we began to think about it, and we realized that when we had those 45 initials and 150 guys on scholarship, a lot of times the best player we had on the team was the 44th or the 45th guy we offered. And, uh, and we realized that a lot of those kids came from Nebraska, came from small towns. Mm-hmm. And so if we worked hard at developing them, and they would hear you maximum effort, they had good character. They're almost by definition overachievers. And so we began to work at the walk-on thing. And we realized that was a big part because we don't have the population base here mm-hmm. that Ohio has or Florida or California or Texas. 
and therefore you're going to have maybe three or four really uh, top-notch players a year, and you're going to have another 15 or 20 that are going to have a chance. And so we got to work at that. And that's why uh, I think every school has some idiosyncrasies. It's important to have somebody who understands what it takes and what the culture has to be. And I think Scott has kind of gotten it swung around now to where these guys understand what it takes. And I think he feels really good about his team this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's this year, uh, and he said it before, might be one of his best teams um, from a talent standpoint. And, um, you know, Jimmy's going to ask you, we'll, we'll ask you two more questions if that's okay. Um, again, don't want to take up too much time. So, um, so yeah, I, I think Scott's kind of on the right track as well. Um, obviously, we're huge fans. You can see our uh, Jimmy's posters behind behind us here with the three championships and you being held up in one of them. Uh, so big fans and big fans of Scott Frost. Um so we see him on the right track. So what are some really good – you mentioned the walk-on program, how that's improved over the last couple of years with Scott. What are some other really good things that you're seeing that makes you think that this program – or maybe you don't think this, but maybe the program is turning in the right direction and maybe this year is the year where we start to see a little bit more of those wins? Well, I think a lot of the leadership on the team this year will come from people that – have been recruited exclusively by Scott, and uh, and I think that will help. And uh, sometimes people agonize over people leaving the program. You know, oh, this guy transferred or whatever. But the average uh, Power Five team in the country has lost nine transfers this year. Mm-hmm. You know, with the with the transfer portal and all the things that the NCAA and other people have changed. Uh, it's kind of an evolving door. And so what's happened in Nebraska has happened to practically every other school in the country. The thing that's amazing to me is how many of these guys, particularly on the defensive side, have decided to come back for that extra year. And uh, so the defense is going to return almost 100%. Mm-hmm. It's not exactly, but it's going to be close. And I think we've got some good players coming up that are young guys. And uh, and I think the walk-on program is going to kick in because these guys are normally not going to be surefire first-team starting players mm-hmm. the first year or even the second year. And if you think about it, that first year that Scott recruited, he stayed down on that Central Florida coast-to-bowl game. And that was the first year that they had the early signing period. So I think it was December 18th, before he even got here, mm-hmm. uh, about 80% of the players in the country were signed. And so they did the best they could, and they took some kids and, that they uh, felt could play. But that was almost a throwaway year. Mm-hmm. So uh, he hasn't really had three complete, including he had two. I'd say he had two and a half. And uh, and I, if I think back to Bill Bill McCartney and if I think back to Bill Snyder at K-State, I don't think those guys had a winning season for four or five years mm-hmm. when they took over. And uh, we had slipped enough that it was almost a complete rebuild. And uh, and so I think uh, I think it'll be it'll be fun. Okay, we think so too. Yeah, we're we're big Frost fans. <laughs> yeah, so. we're we're very excited about this upcoming year. Can't come soon enough. Go ahead. 
Yep. So, obviously, back in your time, uh, social media didn't really play a factor in um, day-to-day life with uh, your players and, and staff and and just the student body in general. But, um, I mean, nowadays, what type of factor do you think social media is on these players? Well, <clears throat> there, there are some that were coming into being toward the end of my coaching career. And uh, we told the players uh, uh, as best they could to stay off of that. And, uh, and for instance, I, I did not read the sports page. Mm. I'd read the front, front page on a paper and maybe some sports writer was ripping me. And uh, and he'd come in expecting I'd be mad, not be friendly. I hadn't read it. I didn't read what he said. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean much. That it wasn't important in what they wrote, but I could just keep my head a lot clearer if I didn't get the voice from the grandstand, the letters to the editor, and all that kind of stuff, and, and to some degree social media. And uh, but it's really hard to keep players off of that stuff, you know, because they're 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 into social media. But you know, if you're the quarterback and you got a 200 posts out there blasting you and telling you you're no good. Uh, that's hard to live with. And, uh, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. And uh, so I really sympathize with these players and, and the coaches because it's really intensified and it's, it's really difficult now. Absolutely. So um, one last question, then we'll let you go. We've taken enough of your time today. And again, we appreciate it. Last question. So talking about Nebraska, the current state of the program, um, the last few years, uh, we've really struggled. People are people are getting impatient. There's, I think there's probably more people that are willing to give Scott more the time he needs than there are people that aren't. Um, and again, a lot of that impatient you see on social media and we see it on social media. And it's frustrating for us. But getting into the mind of someone trying to recruit a player as a coach when your program has not been on the winning side of things for, for a while now. What's your mindset and what's your pitch to a recruit as a coach in this period of time to get them to come and play at Nebraska? Well, there, there are certain things that we've always capitalized on. Um, we, uh, we, we have a, a very good strength program. We have a very good academic program. We care about the players. I think the players throughout all of this have, uh, have been put first. And uh, that's not true a lot of places. And uh, and the main thing is you talk about your program. You don't talk about somebody else and bad mouth people. That's not important. But the biggest thing is to get uh, the parents of players on the campus. Because Lincoln is a relatively safe place. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly stable environment. And, uh, and I think it comes across when they look at the... Uh, you know, when they meet with academic people, academic counselors, and the people in the, in the uh, medical area. And uh, when they visit the, uh, the weight room and the NAPL, that's the Nebraska Athletic Performance Lab, and all those things, and they meet with the coaches, I think they realize that this is a good place to send a young person. And they, they realize that there has been some tradition here, sometimes... Kids that are 17, 18 years old, they, they don't remember 
Nebraska no. national championship, but their parents do, yep. and uh, and so we always felt that was a, the key thing. And now you can actually pay for the parents to come visit. When I was coaching, we couldn't do that, and so we try to get the parents to buy an airplane ticket six months ahead of time, because then all the recruiting homes stuff was going on, if they bought a ticket, they were probably going to come. And then uh, when they saw Nebraska, I'd say we, we, we really uh, betted a very high percentage on kids that came with their parents. Because uh, when they're 17 years old, all kinds of stuff, you know, probably mm-hmm. some girl you met somewhere, and uh, things that really are pretty peripheral, uh, they don't make a whole lot of difference in the long term really uh, uh, influence those kids heavily. And uh, so having a, an older set of eyes is important. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's been a big impact now. I mean, you, we're not able to get kids to campus just to get them around. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're stopping the in-campus visits, so that's got to be just killing some of that recruiting just across the country. Yeah, for everybody, really. Of course, these uh, Zoom meetings and all this kind of stuff <laughs> goes on forever, you know, and phone calls. And so yeah, I can't. Difficult, and some kids being recruited by twenty different schools. Yeah, you, know, you almost have to wait in line to talk to them. Absolutely, I can't imagine going on like a, a, a Zoom tour of a college. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, Tom, you know this. This has been. We've talked to. We've been to a couple of those Nebraska Greats Foundation events. We've had a chance to talk to the Heisman winners, Irving Fryer, Turner Gill. Um, Mike Rogier. Mike We've had Brandon Kenny on the show. Uh, Matt Verzal, we talked to a couple weeks ago. Um, and this this has by far been you know one of the coolest things we've done just to be able Absolutely. to talk to you. So um, you know, we definitely appreciate taking the time to to sit and chat with us today, and appreciate everything you do with teammates. And, and hopefully, hopefully, you know we can do this in person at some point. Um, you know we can sit down with you again in person when things you know a little safer around here. But I uh, wanted to definitely say thank you for taking the time today. Appreciate it, Tom. Thanks for having me on. So. Appreciate- yeah, so uh, we'll we'll throw some information about teammates out on our social media sites as well, and um, you know, hopefully, if nothing else, we get some marketing information out there for you, and maybe get a couple people interested in, in helping out. So um, we'll get that out there. And I did want to say while you're on, uh, thanks to to Hannah Miller and Jackie McKeever for helping get us in touch with you. Um, Jackie is like another mom to me. I've been friends with her son for about thirty years, so um, you know. I've known her for a long time, and then Hannah, and I, Hannah was very nice when I chatted with her. So, um, thank you for being receptive. I'll talk to Jackie and get her impression of you. No, okay. <laughs> it'll okay. be good. She probably has some really good stories, but don't listen to all of them. They're mostly okay. true, though. Well, thank you, guys. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, feel, Tom. Free, feel free to log off. We'll probably stay on for a couple more minutes, so feel free to log off. And thanks again. Thank right. you. Appreciate it. Much. Thank you. All right, so um, I mean, that, that just awesome. happened. That just happened. I mean, cheers. Um, for those of you that have joined the show, uh, if you've asked questions, sorry we, we weren't able to get to those questions. It's, I was trying to keep a lookout, but it's, it's we were talking bit, to Tom. Yeah, a little bit hard um, on the Zoom. Uh, we got a full screen right now, but um, I mean, wow. That was yeah. that was quite the experience. I, 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 we talked about it a little bit before. I hope people weren't disappointed. We were 
going to talk to Tom about teammates. That was kind of how we got in touch with him. So mm-hmm. if you wanted us to talk to him about football <laughs> for an hour, I mean, we'd love to. But um, that was kind of what we needed to and wanted to talk to him about mostly. But again, maybe maybe we get to sit to sit down with him again I in think, the near future right. once uh, once maybe he's vaccinated or he feels it's safe to meet with us in person. Um but even just over Zoom, I mean, that was quite the experience. So Yeah, we had even talked about it like, man, if we could ever talk to Tom Osborne, that'd be sweet. And then it was like, hey, we're going to talk to Tom Osborne. What? Awesome. So, yeah. Hope um, you guys enjoyed. So um, thanks for everybody that tuned in today. This is recorded, so we will throw it up on our page. Um, hopefully the live feed was okay. Um, on our end, it looked fine from the Zoom. I, hopefully it was okay on Facebook as well. So I know Tom was a little quiet. Uh, if you're trying to listen on the podcast, it yep. might be kind of hard to hear. We were trying to record it as best we could. Yep. So we'll throw the podcast up there. We'll throw some information about teammates. This is probably one of the shortest shows we've had in quite some time. Um, but we do appreciate your time. Appreciate you joining us today. Um, on Wednesday, 6 o'clock, we'll post this as well, 6 o'clock on Wednesday, we're going to have defensive end Des Moines Adams on our show. He's actually going to be with in us house. in Jimmy's house, um, and we're going to talk to him. So we'll post some information about that as well tomorrow so you guys can tune in then, and that'll be a little bit easier to receive questions and ask him questions while we're live with him. So, again, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed Tom on the show. We were enjoying the Hail Varsity. We got some more Hail Varsity for, uh, for the show. So um, cheers to you guys for tuning in. Cheers to two average guys. Thanks for all your support uh, in the offseason. We're going to bring more and more guys on the show in the offseason as well. And Not um, sure we're going to get better than Tom, but we'll uh, try. We're going to shoot for Scott next, so get him in the offseason, right? I guess. So we'll see if we can get some hookups. So thank you, everybody. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your Sunday or Saturday. Um, and, again, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, guys. See you, see you next it. time. All right. Oh, man, that was awesome. Do you have to hit end or anything? Yeah, it's being converted right now, so. So it's Oh, that was just the. So it's going to download the video. Dude, that was awesome. It was. Dude, I that was, was so cool. I, 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 I <laughs>